Good morning. I'm Jason, the facility director here. Pastor Dan is out of town, so I'm covering once again. When I was 17 years old, I started attending a church out in Greenwood, Missouri with my family. Small little church, but it had this really incredibly gifted preacher named Jack. And Jack once preached this illustration that has stuck with me. It really has for all these years. And I want to share his illustration with you. Jack said, you know, you might think that some scissors or a big old knife would be the biggest threat to your favorite garment. But that's actually not the case. You see, a garment slashed with a knife is nothing that a good seamster or seamstress can't fix. In fact, a garment repaired in this way might even be stronger than before. No, he said, much more destructive to a garment are the little things. Tiny dirt particles. Microscopic pests if you leave it in the closet. The particles that make their way into the garment, deep into the fibers, and destroy the garment from within. When when little things like this take hold, the garment will eventually just come apart. And there's nothing that can be done. And Jack said, this is what you have to watch for in your lives as well. Sure, he said, catastrophe may strike, but for most, it's actually the little things that work their way into our lives, weakening our fibers until we start to come apart. It's the little things that begin to erode the romance in our marriage. It's the little things that cause us to walk around angry at our jobs all day. It's the little things that start to add up and destroy our finances. It's the little things that keep us too busy or too distracted to really be present with our children. I've certainly found this to be true in my life. I'm ever grateful for Jack's words because they have helped me pay a little bit more attention to how these little things are impacting me. I try not to ignore them as much, but instead understand their incredible power to erode my fibers if I leave them unexamined or unchecked. And I found the reverse to be true as well. It's the little things that I've been faithful to that have had some of the greatest payoff for me. It's the little things I've done in friendships and that friends have done for me that have been the most meaningful in these friendships. It's the little things that my kids and I do together that have really strengthened our relationship. It's little notes here and there that have kept romance alive in my marriage. Honestly, I think that's because this is the way of the kingdom of God. The kingdom grows out of little things. Matthew 13, 31 through 32 says this. Here is another illustration Jesus used. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed planted in a field. It's the smallest of seeds, but it becomes the largest of garden plants. It grows into a tree and birds come and make their nests in its branches. The kingdom is like a little mustard seed. Honestly, I think this is where our faith and our churches in some cases has really gone astray in our culture. I've been listening to a podcast about one of the fastest growing churches in the country. 50,000 strong, huge reach online. The place was a big deal, and it was exploding in what was considered one of the most secular parts of the country. 
The teachings were among the most downloaded teachings week after week. They were number one in the market. I listened to some of these teachings. And what struck me was the incredible bigness of it all. Everything, I mean everything, was God's destiny for them. And God's big plans to do all this stuff through them. And God's incredible reach to the world through their podcast. But it turns out, it was actually a very gross environment. And when some of the scandals began to break, the entire thing, this massive, fastest growing church came crashing down overnight. Their big plans and their big call by God to save us all, our church included, they wouldn't have liked us, I can tell you that, turned out to be a pretty empty shell on some pretty shaky ground. But the podcast does do a good job of walking through the stories of how in the midst of this colossal vision that erupted in colossal failure, of telling stories of God's faithfulness in the midst of this big broken thing. And I'm not surprised. For a lot of people, this sort of thing really shakes their faith, and I can understand that. I mean, this does kind of make me, when a big church or big churches, it's been happening a lot, start to go down and you kind of turn your head sideways and like, yeah, what's going on with that? Where's God in that? But at the same time, I can look at churches like this and movements like this and kind of from the beginning even, I kind of had this thought. It's just not in line with how Jesus describes the kingdom of God. Let's read another parable of Jesus. Matthew 13, 33 says this. Jesus also used this illustration. The kingdom of heaven is like the yeast a woman used in making bread. Even though she put only a little yeast in three measures of flour, it permeated everything, every part of the dough. This is the picture I see most represented in the scriptures. Now, sure, there are scenes where people like Moses encounter a burning bush or Jonathan who goes out and takes on an entire army all by himself. And of course, of course, one should respond to such a call. What an honor that would be even. But for every Moses or Jonathan in the scripture, there are thousands of people that are living and walking the ways of God in smaller, in smaller ways. And perhaps... This is the yeast that begins to permeate the dough. One of my heroes of faith, if you will, is a man named Rich Mullins. He was a Christian artist in the 90s, and he certainly lived life a little bit differently. He was educated. He was formally trained in seminary. Uh, He was also a chart-topping songwriter. He never knew how much he made because he had all of his money go to a local church. I've been to his church. And he had them just pay them a blue-collar wage. He had this little office in the back of the broom closet. Bringing in all this money, he said, I don't even want to know what to make. Just give me a blue-collar wage. That's just kind of how he did things. He ended up moving to a Native American reservation, lived a simple life in a hut, teaching music to children. It's just kind of how rich was. But I'll never forget when he was interviewed about how people might find their calling or their ministry. Rich was clearly always irritated by this question. He didn't like that he was being asked this because he was a famous musician or had done this thing on the reservation. He would say things like this. Start realizing that your ministry 
is how much of a tip you leave when you eat in a restaurant. When you leave a hotel room, whether you leave it all messed up or not. This is a very rich thing, this next line. It says, whether you flush your own toilet or not. Your ministry is the way that you love people. And you love people when you write something that is encouraging to them, something challenging maybe. You love people when you call your wife and you say, hey, I'm going to be late for dinner instead of letting it get burned. Loving people, being more respectful toward them is much more important than writing or doing music. Now, Rich was snarky, but I think he was on to something too. To Rich, it's the little stuff that's actually hard to do. It's little stuff that reveals the lack of transformation in our lives, the selfishness, the sin. This is the stuff of earth that works its way into our fibers and actually destroys us from the inside out. To wash this away and pursue small acts of love were the way to advance the kingdom of God for Rich Mullins. The fact is our lives are filled with small stuff. It's small stuff that can erode us, or it's small stuff that we can do to advance the kingdom of God, permeate the dough. If you've been around the last few weeks, you've heard that we want to try doing uh, some different things here in church. Especially through this season of Lent, we're going to do something called the Course in the Current. It's still on Sunday mornings, but it's actually going to be condensed down a little bit into 45 uh, two, two separate times in one Sunday morning. A 45-minute group time followed by 45 minutes of worship and teaching and communion like we're experiencing now. And from what I understand, one of the main reasons we are doing this is to actually up our discipleship game around here by being faithful in smaller ways, in smaller groups, in smaller communities. And by discipleship, we actually mean diving deeper into the little things that make us more into the image of God each day. That's what discipleship is. It's the process of learning to walk like Jesus walks, learning to live in the ways of the kingdom of God, learning to love the Lord God Almighty with all your heart and all your soul, and to love your neighbor as ourselves. And in my experience, it very seldom comes down as lightning bolts from the sky. And I've personally not seen a burning bush. But I have seen discipleship. I've seen God work and through the lives of this community in little ways, in little interactions that blossom into trees. And I would never discount a burning bush moment. I hope I get one. We should all search for that and long for that. That's not something that you just walk around expecting. It's not something you dare manufacture and build your own little kingdom. God's kingdom will grow the way it grows, out of mustard seeds. The kingdom doesn't come with our big ideas. It comes when we are faithful to each other. It comes when we're faithful to Christ. The course part of our Sunday morning is going to be smaller communities. And I'm excited to see what happens through some of the interactions that we have. I expect that a little wisdom spoken here, a little word of encouragement given there, it's going to actually do quite a lot to produce 
the kind of transformation we all hope to get from coming on a Sunday morning gathering. I expect that those who are faithful to participate in this time and those who are faithful to give of themselves, it's going to go both ways. Come and learn, but come and be a teacher. Be a person that offers some wisdom. I expect that those who are faithful in this are going to find the kingdom advance and going to find that these mustard seeds we plant grow into something more. During the course part of the morning, we will be in community. Some groups are focused on prayer, and some will be focused on um, Bible study. Some of them are focused on a particular topic. And here in a little bit, I actually want to have us take a chance to actually just sign up for these course groups right here and now. And I'll say this, when you're looking through the list, don't go looking for the one group or the one topic that seems like it's going to be the thing that answers all your questions or gives you the big ideas that you've been seeking. It's just not the way. If you don't see something that is immediately pulling at your heartstrings, I wouldn't give up altogether. Instead, choose a study or a prayer rhythm or a topic for this season. No matter how it may seem, be faithful to it. See if God might grow something out of that small step. I think the course is appropriately named and imaged. If you've seen the picture of our little course and current band, there's this cliff. That's the course. It represents struggle. It represents discipline. It will likely be a challenge. Just getting along with each other in some of these groups may prove to be a challenge. But that's the way. Now, if this change doesn't work with your schedule or, or, or your work, then that's okay too. Still come to what you can come to. Just be faithful in that small thing and watch God grow things. And then following this kind of rigorous study time of the course, we're going to come in here all together, and we're going to hear worship. We're going to listen to God's word being preached. We'll get to participate in communion as one. And the image for this time is the river. And I like this image. It's like the Spirit of God. It's where we come to wash our garments clean. It's where we come to listen for the voice of God together, to be immersed in the Spirit together, wherever that current may take us. And we do all of this each week in faithfulness. This is church. This is discipleship. This is the process of walking more in step with Christ in all of his ways. This is where we come to experience the very presence of God and all the mercies and all the grace that flows from that. And it's a rhythm. We wash, we rinse, and repeat. We tend to the little things. We tend to the fibers inside of our souls. And we see what God might grow out of that. Our action step this morning is really just to get ready for next week. This is kind of a freshman orientation, if you will. One thing that we thought might go uh, with this is to have a couple leaders. So if I could have the bars and the sisks and Adam come on up here. I wanted to have a couple leaders up just to ask some questions about some of the groups, to give you just a small taste of what we might be experiencing during the course hour part of the uh, Sunday morning. 
And then Adam's going to talk a little bit about what was going to happen with our kids. So let's start actually over here. So I want to introduce you all to, this is Tim and Zandy Barr. And I'm going to ask uh, these two couples here, I'm going to ask them the same question. What's your group about? Give us a little, little taste of what it's about. And then why? Why did you choose that topic? Or why is that the study that you're, that you're going to do? So we're just going to ask those questions. We'll start with you guys, the bars. What's your, uh, what's your group? Good morning, everybody. Um, so we're going to be teaching about the power of the Enneagram and how it can be a helpful tool for improving or bettering your relationships. So I've been studying the Enneagram, and for myself, it's been like taking a selfie of my personality, giving me the opportunity to identify character traits that impact, have big interactions with my, my family, my wife, and my children and others. Yep. So the reason why we decided to teach this is because of the um, impact that Enneagram work has had for us to be able to know ourselves better, to kind of pull back the curtain on some of our motivations and how some of your best things can be some of your worst things. It's, uh, uh, that's, that's just the way it works and that we're each created in the image of God and have some of these holy characteristics that are really strong and other ones that we see in other people that we may not understand. So helping us uh, look deeper into that. But for us, it really has been a game changer as far as um, understanding why conflict happens and um, that when I'm seeing the world one way and Tim's seeing the world a different way, we can, if we understand that, things go a lot smoother. So it's, yeah, it has helped us in our marriage and with our kids in some of our difficult uh, relationships out in the world. So we just um, are excited to share that with Yeah, Yeah, that's really well said. Church. Yeah. yeah, thanks. Actually, hold on to that, I got one. Um, <laughs> the, um, the, the Enneagram they're referring to as a tool that it's kind of like a personality test. I hate to say personality test because it's, uh, it's rooted much deeper than that. But what it does is um, it helps, it's kind of like blinders and that you don't realize it until you take this thing, that you're living life, you just think things go a certain way and you're, you know, people should be behaving a certain way and then you start to, to take off these blinders and realize like, oh, there's other perspectives, but it actually goes very, very deep. And so um, this is gonna be a really valuable tool. I will say in my spiritual walk, I think I came across this thing seven, 10 years ago. I would say it's probably one in the leading top five most transformative things. And um, it certainly fits right in with scripture and all the things that scripture teaches about who we are and our sin and the darkness and how to see past that to light and all that. It's all kind of wrapped up in there. So it's a great tool. I think this would be a good gathering. Um, people are interested in that, then you should do that. And um, it's, uh, I like the, their spin is how it affects relationships. Whatever relationship you're in, friends, family, spouse, with your kids, it's a tool to help us understand who we are and how we might function together in relationships. Very good. All right, SISKS. Hi. Uh, we are going to be teaching a class called Engaging with God in Different Ways. And so there are going to be, uh, we're just going to explore several different pathways that you can connect with God. Hey, good morning. Uh, yeah, so why do we want to do this? Um, I, I think throughout our spiritual journey, 
there are ebbs and flows, right? There's days where you feel like you're on that mountaintop and you connect God all the time, every way, in any way. And then there's other days where you're kind of searching. You're just looking for a way to connect, uh, looking for a way to, to chase God down when, when in reality he's kind of the one always chasing us, I suppose. So for this, uh, they're just practical measures. It's a tool, uh, tools to add to your toolbox, if you will, different ways to connect, engage with God. And then what's more, uh, ways to not only engage with, with him, but, but ways for us to engage with one another. And so in our class, we'll have a, a moment where we'll kind of t- talk a little bit about a, a, a discipline, and then we'll practice it, and then we'll just talk about it. And so just different ways to connect with one another, which right now is a really important thing to be able to do. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Well, I'm in small group, and we, I've been through a lot of the prayer practice that they're doing. I think if, if you're somebody that's, that you feel like maybe you're a little bit stuck, or things are just kind of feel like dry, or you feel like, man, I'm just, I hardly pray anymore. I feel like I'm just making up a bunch of junk to say to God or something like that. Some of these tools and disciplines can be very helpful in that. And so if that sounds like something you're needing, that'd be an example of a group that you could find to get some new prayer practices and ways to connect with God and with each other. Awesome. Well, thank you guys. Uh, we're going to keep Adam up here, but we'll send these guys back down. So Adam, um, is going to shamelessly plug himself for a second here. But also what we brought him up to is, um, one question is, is what, what, are, what are the kids going to do during this time that we're doing Course and Current? So Adam is going to, distri- to describe that because it's got some cool stuff. Take it away. Jason's right. My face is up on that screen too. So I don't want to waste an opportunity to plug mine, the greatest story ever told. Um, it's going to be a really deep, rich, meaningful dive into scripture and what the overall story of the Bible is. So if that's something that... You feel like, if you're like me, and you've, you went a long time, and we're like, man, there's parts of this story in the Bible that are just seem weird or foreign, or like, how does this fit into the whole story? We're going to d- delve into all that, and it's going to be a really good, rich, deep time for us. Um, but back to the question at hand of, what are the kids going to be doing? We have a really fun, really exciting plan for kids. So... I don't know about the rest of you, but for me, uh, my small group has been meeting for a really, really long time, and all of us have kids, and it seems like we always have young kids, like at least some of us, at every time during the small group, and it gets really, really hard to do like deep, meaningful theology and, and scripture and and study, and when we're always just chasing kids and trying to figure out if our which kid's crying? Like, whose is that? Whose who's kid does that sound like? That sounds like mine crying. I'll go take care of that. So it gets really, really hard, right? So what we wanted to do is we wanted to completely alleviate that from, from any of your guys' worries. So we didn't want you guys worrying about, what are my kids doing? Are they okay while I'm taking this course class? So during that time, during that first hour, all of the kids are going to be in some, their respective spaces, and they're going to be doing just fun stuff. We're just going to have a ton of fun activities. Uh, if you have little kids in the kindling area, they'll be in their same area right over there where they always are. If you have a kindergarten through eighth grader, you're going to check them in and then drop them off over on the soccer field, and we're going to have games. We're going to have arts and crafts. There's going to be puzzles. Just you name it. We're going to have everything that we think a kid might think is fun is going to be available and ready for them to do over there. Um, And you don't have to worry, and and Luke will will tell us this here in just a second, but you don't have to worry about checking them out and checking them back in. We'll take care of all that for you. So we hope to make this just a really easy, painless process for everyone involved. Uh, I also received a question 
what would high school kids do? Because you, you may notice that I only mentioned kindergarten through eighth grade. If you're a high school kid, pick a course, do a class, sign up. Um, you guys know me, and I've been around you long enough, the high school kids now, to know that I always say, this is, you're not the future of the church. You're the church right now. You're, you're a member of the adult congregation. I consider you that as soon as you're in high school. Um, and you do, you come to service, pick a course class and do that. Sign up for it. Yeah, it's good. Very good. Thanks. So exciting stuff. Exciting stuff coming. And um, yeah, I think, I think it will be neat to see what God does as, as we try to be faithful to this time. All right, everyone. So this is our journey. This is our big experiment. Of course, if it goes well, we'll do it a good long time. But for now, we're going to try the season of Lent from, from next Sunday up to Easter. Um, we really believe this is going to be a great shot for us to break out of some of the things that the pandemic has done to us. You know, we've kind of gotten into the habit of being isolated. And we've gotten into the habit of being alienated. And we've gotten into the habit of sitting and watching things happen to other people on a screen. And I suppose God is infinite and he can be there and he can work in some of those places, but it's a stretch. It's a stretch. Um, now, as you saw, we've got great teachers and great content, and that's wonderful, but I'll, we've said this many times, we'll say it again. The real strength of Lakeland is all of you. It's the people, and it's the community. And I really believe that uh, the magic, so to speak, is going to happen when you're in that room next week, and you're learning something together, and you're sharing things together, you're practicing prayer, whatever it is that you're doing, but you're also hearing about other people's lives and sharing a little bit about your life and maybe sharing a little bit more each week. I really believe those bonds that will form from us being together and, and interacting, not just sitting in the front facing forward hearing things, I think there's going to be a great power in that. In fact, Jesus said, wherever two or more of you are gathered, I am there too. So I believe the power of God will be in this space also. Um, I'm not promising that a miracle will happen for everyone, but you're a lot closer to miracle territory there than you are in what we've had to do the last couple of years with the pandemic. There's a lot more of the stuff of God and the stuff of church and community and, and what those things have always meant in this course and current. Than, than the things we've been through the last couple of years with the pandemic. So I really encourage everyone to step out in Lent and try this experiment and see what God does and remember what it is to be a church family again.